Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad to be back uh, in the second hour. I've got a special hour today with Jody Goldie. I'm going to bring her on in just a minute. But this week, I thought I want to do a little bit of a, a mental health week. So I've been having a lot of people uh, addressing mental health issues. And Jody's kind of a unique mental health uh, provider because she deals with people who have suffered trauma. Now, if that's you, um, I just want you to know you can be healed from it. And you are going to be uh, learning a lot, I think, this hour, um, because there are so many different ways that you can uh, suffer trauma. There's so many things. I, I remember when I was um, about five years ago, I speak um, on Friday nights. I lead a recovery group, and I, I give a message of hope. And um, there was a, a guy, week after week after week, he was looking so despondent, and he was so troubled, and I started chatting with him and I said, so how are you? He goes, well, not good, not good. He goes, I'm just not sleeping at all. I go, why no sleep? He goes, too many nightmares. Night after night, nightmares like crazy. And I said, why? And he said, well, I came from the military and I have 41 kills on my record. So I said, oh, wait, you have, you've, you've killed 41 people? He goes, yes. I go, oh, okay, that explains a lot why you might have trouble sleeping. Uh, so there are lots of things that cause trauma. Uh, it could be uh, sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be uh, a medical trauma. It could be community violence. It could be a, uh, a weather disaster. It could be any number of things. And we're going to talk to Jody today about those kinds of traumas. And uh, whenever I get a chance to talk to Jody, I'm always uh, happy. I'm learning a lot. She uh, is a licensed marriage and family therapist and got her master's degree in counseling from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston. And she also got her bachelor's degree right here at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul. Jody, welcome. Hi, Bill. It's so good to be here. It is. I kind of went on and on there in the beginning. Usually I don't do that, but I want to just set it up and let people know uh, the difference between the kind of trauma that we're going to talk about today and just having a bad day. Maybe we can start there and say, what's the difference? Ooh, yeah, that's a good... <laughs> oh, you just <laughs> throw me in really early. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And and you made me follow up with Mark Muska. I know. I, oh, did you have him man, as a professor? I did, and I was terrified of him. Oh, of course. We yeah, all are. I yeah. know. And we, yeah. we should be, because he's amazing. <laughs> um, no, okay. So what's the difference between trauma and having a bad day? And it, well, I think it's... I think it's really tricky, honestly. There's a because I think we throw that word around so much in our culture right now. I'm totally traumatized. I'm triggered. You know, you hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is something real. <laughs> it is something very real, and people have experienced it. it it's very real. So, um, usually, it's identified as having an event in your life. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to qualify that in a just second, an event in your life that uh, it, uh, it is perceived by you to be life-threatening. Okay. Um, 
However, and I want to add to your list because you had a great list, and I want to add a little bit to it around neglect and specifically around um, emotional neglect and really cold families where, where people don't get attention or attuned to or notice or they don't get to exist in families. Because when, when babies are neglected, that is life threat for them. And so we, we have to kind of keep that in mind that when, when babies don't get their needs met and our brains actually need emotional needs too. Our brains are social in order to develop. And so we, if we don't get attunement or we don't get our, our social emotional needs met or attention, attention is a need, our brains actually don't develop appropriately. Mm. And so it can get tricky because it can, it can set you up in a way where your nervous system can be can be kind of ordered really early on in life where you don't get your needs met and you you are you think like as a baby you are in life threat because you don't get cared for and so you can you can kind of go into life with some of that trauma which is really interesting um, and we're we're actually discovering now in the research that actually neglect is one of the most dangerous um, things that you can do to children maybe even more so than abuse. And Jody, would that be just the rejection and the withholding of affection? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so sad. It is. It, it, it's, you know, we, we were created to be social and we were created to be protected and cared for and noticed and honored, you know, the way the Holy Spirit does for us, each of right. us. Right. And, 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 you know, we need caregivers that are doing the same things. So let's talk a little bit about emotional abuse, because if there is emotional abuse in the home, maybe you were growing up with it, there was verbal abuse, maybe you were always being intimidated or humiliated or degraded, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe you were, uh, like you said, rejected because you didn't have any affection and you ended up feeling isolated. To me, that sounds like it could be pretty traumatic. As yeah, a kid. yeah. And again, yeah. those things are those things are are needs. Those aren't wants. In order for a a small child to to grow appropriately, they actually need attention mm-hmm. um, for the brain to develop. And so, um, yeah, those are those are needs, not wants. Well, yeah, and if you're being made to feel silly or stupid or dumb, and you're being dismissed about how you really feel, and no one's really listening to you. I would assume you're down a road that can be very uh, dangerous. Yeah, and it, it changes. So what that does is it change it changes a lot of the structures and functions of your brain. So there's this this part of the brain that I'm kind of obsessed with, and it's a network in the brain. It's called the default mode network, and it's the dumbest name. I don't, you know, researchers aren't like the best at naming things, <laughs> but it's it's your resting state, and and it's interesting that you brought up dreams because so. It's uh, the default mode network is our resting state. It's it's what we are in when we're resting, but it's actually the most active because what it's doing is it's looking for all of our social um, ways to ways to stay in good social standing with everybody, and all it knows how to do is to keep us in line. So if if we've had a really harsh um, parent or caregiver. That's the voice we hear in our head. Is that that our default mode in our brain will be? Why'd you say that? That's so stupid. You did this and you did that. And that's our resting state. And wow. then it also takes everything that we've ever experienced in the past because and it creates new things out of it. And so they, they kind of theorize that maybe that's what dreaming is. So it's taking all of what we know in the past and then creating something new. So if if this, you know, gentleman experienced a lot of that 
trauma in the military, your brain just kind of takes that and goes crazy with it and does all these crazy things. And that's what, what dreams could be. So, so yeah, so, so having a, having a harsh critic in your head, you know, that could be actually not yours. That could be somebody else that maybe shouldn't be living in your head. So I like that. So when you talk about an event where your life might be at stake, that is a pretty defined moment. And when you have that event where you feel like your life is at stake, it's up to you to decide if your life was at stake? Ooh, good question. So, and these are these are things that, you know, this is what the, the diagnostic and statistical manual has decided for us about what trauma is and over, you know, what, what a whole bunch of people have decided. But they, they kind of qualify a lot of that by saying, you can experience that by watching somebody else in trouble. So like a lot of community violence Ooh, yeah, um, or um, from hearing stories or interacting with people. So if you are a first responder or helper and you're constantly sitting with that and having like vicarious trauma or secondary trauma where you're, ex- you're kind of, you're kind of like in the, in the juices of all the trauma all the time that can have a, pretty significant effect on your body and your brain and it can actually change kind of how you function so so life threat yes but also witnessing and being you know being in connection with that um that's a good question about whether you decide i think you know i think if you're ever like i'm not sure if i'm gonna make it or if you're if you're terrified to the point of freezing and then maybe even dissociating then yeah i think that would that would be life threat. <laughs> yeah. Jody Goldie is my guest, and we're talking about trauma today. She's a trauma counselor. Uh, so, Jody, when you talk about witnessing something, too, I mean, I, I remember events. I worked at a health club, and in 1979, on one day, two people died at the, at the club. Whoa. And I was going, oh, that guy doesn't look too good. And boy, he went down, and they both died of massive heart attacks. Um, oh, but I was there. Oh, whoa. And you don't you don't ever forget that. No, you, you don't ever you don't walk away going, all right. That so that happened today. <laughs> that no big deal. Just move on. No, no. That's I mean that, that, impacting. that certainly has um, some lasting impressions. Now I'm not considering that something traumatic for me, but it was not easy. It wasn't an easy day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially it for for some it can really affect them deeper for some reason and some have maybe some resources to figure out how to do it and they've kind of I think the studies on what trauma is is really important so they did this fascinating study in Nepal with boy soldiers um, where the the boy soldiers who were returned to their homes and they were cared for and they were loved and they were welcomed back into their home they didn't experiencing they didn't experience any symptoms of PTSD mm-hmm. whereas the boys who they they all had the same experience the boys who went back to their homes and they were shunned or they were dismissed or they weren't you know kind of held those were the boys that experienced PTSD symptoms and so what we kind of draw from that is that trauma is actually not always about the event but it's about how that event is held and accompanied by people around you. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Jody Goldie's my guest. If you have a question about trauma, maybe you've gone through it yourself and you have a question for Jody Goldie, let me know what it is. Send it over on the text line, 
877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back with Jody in just a minute. Okay, here's something exciting. When you sponsor a child with the Ministry One Child, you are linked with a boy or a girl who will know you by name and treasure the thought that you care. Most of them will pray for you daily. And if you write them, they'll write you too. The child you sponsor will receive not only educational assistance, but supplemental food, clothing, healthcare services, and opportunities for personal love and encouragement, and most of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cost is just $39 a month. That's just a little more than a dollar a day. You can't necessarily change the entire world, but what if you can change the world for one person? Sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm having a little bit of a mental health week just for you. I hope everyone is enjoying my guest this week. Jody Goldie is my guest. Jody with a Y, Goldie with an I-E. You can learn more about Jody Goldie at mwtraumacenter.com, mwtraumacenter.com. Jody, I was thinking during the break, how many people are walking around with trauma attached to their story, but we're told... This is just what we do. We're, you just you just live with it. That's no big deal. When in fact it is a big deal, and they're walking around, and their life is suffering as a result of it. Yeah, absolutely. If if again, kind of like what I was just talking about, if 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 an event is not held with us in community, and again, this is so beautiful about the body of Christ, right? If an event is not held together. Um, or at least validated, um, it it kind of goes further into your body and becomes something a little bit harder to get to. Goes deeper into your brain. So, mm-hmm. question came in: Can verbal abuse create trauma? Create trauma. It. De- I. These are always really hard for me. If you if you if you can figure. <laughs> See my face. It's kind of like, wait, oh, how do we? The words are so hard. Yeah. Um, I think yes, over time, um, and and just you know, if it's harsh and things like that, and uh, it can it can have a pretty significant impact on the way that we view ourselves and the and the way that our brain operates. Kind of like what I was talking about with the default mode network. If you if you are growing up in a home and you're kind of swimming in those juices of hearing mm-hmm. these these things over and over and over, it becomes part of your narrative in your brain as as that keeps you in line and says things like, "Come on, that was dumb. You're stupid. How did how could you have done that?" When that's not at all how we would talk to our best friends or to right. the people that we care about and love, we would say, "Oh no, that that makes sense that you did that. That yeah, that's hard." Mm-hmm. And as you're trying to process any kind of traumatic grief, uh, grief that is um, supercharged, uh, I don't know, you know, how to better express this, but when you are feel traumatized in your grief, and how do you process that? Hmm. 
I, I, I feel like I have the, um, like a great honor sometimes to sit with people who have, um, who have lost children. Um, and I think, um, sitting with that pain and kind of just holding that with them and holding the space. Mm -hmm. Um, but grief, uh, I, there's a book out now that I think it's called grief is love. And it's this idea that the, the five steps of grief that we've always heard, you know, um, of coming to terms with grief, that those were actually meant for, uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross actually met those for the person who was dying, not the person who's left behind. Okay. And so those stages of grief are off are about kind of coming to grips with your own death, but for somebody to die, really, um, you never get over that. You know, you never get over the grief, and actually, the grief is a, is a sign that you really loved them. And part of that grief is just working through the different ways in which you love them, even though they're not here with you. And so. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or was anything that you asked, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I I will. Uh, I thought it was a good answer. All right, here's another question: How does childhood sexual abuse affect my response to other people, and what kind of triggers are going on? Oh my word, um, those can be anything. It really, it really does. That this is the there are there are kind of like an outline of how how trauma you know kind of manifests or there's there's a lot of like kind of things that we know of in the brain and stuff like that but there there's so many different things that happen so you've got your stress responses right so those are the fight flight freeze fall and by fall i mean like dissociate so those those are like in general this isn't because they all kind of go all the time you know they're not they're not clean and neat like we like to put them in the four f's category but they're not clean and neat but um in general like if you can't fight you move to you know flight if you can't flight you move to freeze if you can't freeze you move to fall which means that you try to live outside of your body Hmm. and so you know if you learn especially the i mean that's a great example um if you learn that you can't fight somebody off because they're too big, you can't run away. Um, you 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 just you can't even stay motionless because you know it's still something bad is still happening. So you you learn to live outside of your body, and so um, and it's such a smart way to live. To be honest, if 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 you have been hurt, and so the the work is trying to know that you are safe when you are safe. Like let your body and let your brain and let your nervous system and let the whole of you actually know that you are safe when you are safe. Because mm-hmm. that can be hard. Yeah, Jody, let's talk about the trauma and the mind-body connection. Because mm-hmm. trauma just isn't experienced emotionally, but it's also experienced in the body, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It. Um, I, I think I was just telling... I, think I was just telling my sons this last night. I have two wonderful sons, Thorne and Rowan. They are the best. <laughs> and we were just talking about the brains because we learned that octopuses have brains in all of their legs. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. And so we were talking about that. And we were talking about how we actually have brain neurons around our heart. We have brain neurons. Um, I mean, you've heard of probably the gut brain you know, we have um, our guts are a huge part of our of our brain health, and so to I think as uh, we Westerners have have done kind of a disservice to like separate the body from the brain, 
um, when it's so intertwined um, uh, amazingly. And so they are all kind of the same thing. So, you know, we, we try to like take care of our, our brains or our, just our bodies, but we've kind of got to do all of them in order to, to, to really heal. Like our mm-hmm. body has to be a big part of that healing. And but sometimes the body is kind of the last thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jody, does our body register stress? Yeah. Does, does it become part of our body? I mean, a question came in. I don't know uh, how to deal with this, but uh, the question was about date rape. Oh. A date rape drug was used so okay. a person can't remember. Is that still trauma? And I think, doesn't your body register anything that's done against it? Yes. That I'm so glad that that question is asked. So um, almost about 80% of our of our memory is actually held in our body, not in wow. our brains. So our, our brains, you know, we, we can, there's different types of memory. And one that we're most familiar with, and especially in our culture, is that our, that we can tell a story about a memory that happened. But that's only like a tiny, that's only like a fifth of our memory. Our memories are actually stored in our bodies. And it's tricky because like if you think about our, our bodies, you know, around the age of four, we start to tell our kids, use your words, use your words. And we kind of talk them out of really noticing and staying connected to their body. But our bodies are our first language. Like we, that was the first way we, we talked and we got attention and we, and we communicated and we kind of disconnect when we start using our words and we forget the language of the body. But, um, yes, our bodies hold memory and, um, a lot of, a lot of, it's, it's tricky because there are a lot of memories that you might not be able to remember. So you have pre-verbal trauma, which means trauma before you're able to talk about it. Your body actually remembers those things and it has a sense that it knows that it knows. It just doesn't know why it knows. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. So if, if you've had a traumatic event and the event has passed, all right, maybe the body and mind is going to return to normal, which is great. But for other people, Jody. It, this this response is not leaving their body. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> is there a chance that this is going to cause an ongoing condition or an ongoing stress-related uh, physical symptom like fatigue or high blood pressure or fibromyalgia or something like that? Or do I have no idea what I'm talking about? No, you totally do. Like that is a, a very common, like those things that you named are very are very common responses because if you think about it, when when you go through a really heightened event and and then you go, th- maybe you go through another heightened event and another heightened event and it actually resets your resting rate. So it resets your blood pressure, it resets your, your, you know, heart rate. It, it resets where your body rests and it, it alters kind of how all of your systems work together. So it brings up your stress systems or it can really deaden them and numb it, numb them. I know for me, um, you know, sitting with trauma for over 20 years, I, I'm a little number than I used to be. I'm a lot number than I used to be. And I don't think that's age. I think that doing the work that I have done has really had an impact on my functioning and, um, the way that I do that and heal that a lot of times is laughing and playing. Because that's, okay. that's all I can do. <laughs> that, it's so interesting, Jordy. I think that's why I like you. All right, we're going to take a break. 
if you've had a, an experience with trauma or maybe you don't even realize that it is trauma and you're still processing it in your body or emotionally and you have a question for Jody Goldie, send the question over on the text line 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back with Jody Goldie. So, Bill, who is this delightful guest you're having a conversation with today? Oh, I'll answer that. It's Jody Goldie. It's J-O-D-Y-G-O-L-D-I-E, Jody Goldie. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and got her master's degree in counseling from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston and got her bachelor's degree right here at the University of Northwestern. She's a trauma counselor. So let's talk about healing, because we all want healing. How does Jesus bring us into healing, Jody? Yay! I love this topic. Good. Uh, um, okay, so I, I work with a lot of different types of people, and I, I love doing what I do. But um, I have noticed that there is something really amazing about when people partner with the Holy Spirit for healing. Um there, there's brain research that, um, that, so the top part of our brain is, is kind of like where we, where we build a lot of our, like, um, our executive functioning, like we, you know, the adulting kind of the brain. And there is a part of the brain in our top brain that actually lights up when we connect with a good God. And that is so cool <laughs> because I think we know the goodest God that could ever be. The best. <laughs> the best. So, um, yeah. So I think, um, what I have noticed is I, I can give people information. I can't, and I can, and I can help them and I can, I can navigate what, what working with Jesus does and partnering with Jesus is he can take, take people to the depths of things that I could never know about them and would never need to know, to be honest. And so, um, I've I've just noticed that people are able to reach healing in different ways and a lot faster when they mm-hmm. partner with Jesus. So, all right, here's a comment that came in. I I had childhood abuse trauma. I get a lot of involuntary movement in my shoulders. I also have had a difficult time having a good relationship with a man. So, it, it, this is very sad to me as there seems to be a physical manifestation from some uh, childhood abuse trauma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, and that's, um, it, it makes so much sense. Again, if our body remembers, it's going to have pain in certain places or respond in certain places, or we're going to have aversions to smells or things that we don't really understand that our body does. And it tries to protect us. And, it can make it can make people feel really unsafe. Um, or since we have been kind of trained with trauma to 
to be pushed past our limits, we can quickly grow unaware of our own bounds of our body or our own boundaries emotionally or internally. And so we, we've been kind of like trained out of those cues to know how to keep ourselves safe or how, or who is safe. Um, like I think about, um, you know, Disney movies, which are mm-hmm. weird, but um, it's a weird segue. But like when you watch a Disney movie with a kid, they always know who the tricky one is. <laughs> they always yeah. do. They're so smart. Um, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we kind of train kids out of that that gut, you know, kind of just knowing um, in their body and say, you know, oh, go go give, you know, so-and-so a hug or go do this when, when really like we need to let kids kind of be weird about the boundaries they need to keep in order to feel a little safer, you know. That's very interesting, Jody. Um, here's another question. When a child does not receive the healthy affirmation, how does one heal as an adult? I love this question. Oh, no, it's huge. Um, so once once you become around like 18 to 27, our brains are pretty set, meaning that our neurology is... Um, so when you're a child, you need regulation from the outside. Um, you need a, you need a caregiver to like help you calm, kind of you know do the things that like caregivers are supposed to do. But around 18, our brain that is actually not where we get regulation. And even though like if I'm sitting with a client who's over 18, I I can do some things to regulate them, but I can't regulate the deep the deepness. I don't know how to explain that, but like that, um, that kind of deep dysregulation. Um, I can't get to it. Only they can get to it through their neurology. And so oftentimes we need community around us. We need, we need care and and that like warmth and stuff like that. But in order to really care for, you know, to care for those parts of us that are really, that feel young, you know, everybody has this where, you know, you walk into something like, Maybe you're going to lunch, you know, and you're like, oh, I feel like a seventh grader again. I feel so stupid. And you, you literally feel like a seventh grader. It's because we, we all kind of have these like encapsulated things in us where we hold, we hold kind of trauma memories, right, mm-hmm. where we feel young. And so in order to take care of that, I have to take care of that part of me that's hurting. I have to... And, and this is where, like, having people outside model that warmth and that care and that concern is really, really helpful. But then you have to do the work to actually care for those parts of you. And that can be tricky because sometimes we don't like those parts of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. We're, I mean, we're, we're analog beings living in a very digital world. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're more and more connected now digitally than we are in person and eye contact. Mm. And, you know, as I just watch some younger people connected or adults connected to their phones in ways that they can't be distracted. It doesn't matter where they are. Hmm. They're, they're too connected to their phone to even make eye contact with people. Absolutely. Yeah. And we miss out on a lot without that, without that face-to-face attunement. Like we're really, we're missing out. Yeah. 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 Here's a question. Any suggestions of how to help an autistic boy with limited speech ability who lost his mother? We work with him at school, and he seems to seek hugs and looking for a mother figure. Yeah. Of course he is. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yep. Um, you know, it's tricky. I think we, we have systems, and I don't know I don't know how the system is set up. We, we have systems that kind of um, don't allow us to give physical touch. I know, you know, in my system, I'm a therapist. Like, I do every once in a while give my clients hugs because— 
like that just feels like a human thing to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And not always, and within boundaries, of course. But of course. like, um, but I, but I feel like with with situations like this, and I don't know what the the little boy and how old he is, and what kind of caregivers he has around, you know, that. But if they're seeking that, that is something to notice. You know, that is something to notice that they they might not be getting that. Um, usually, bodies tell us kind of what they need by what they're seeking. Yeah, I, I would imagine that because we are humans and we, we need contact, that sometimes uh, a hug is what you need more than anything. You, yeah. just need, you just need arms around you. It's true. I know, yeah. like, especially during the COVID time when, when my my profession, I feel like we all went online, I our clinic decided um, to, like, try our best to be in person because sometimes we're the only humans that people see. Mm-hmm. And um, and and that was just hard to watch. That just felt really. So we had to. I mean, luckily our building is so big. Like our offices are huge, and so we could space and do the things that we needed to do to make sure that people were in the presence of other people. Yeah, yeah. People need other people. There's no question. You know, you see even in coffee shops, people would rather be alone in a crowd than mm-hmm. alone at home. Yeah. They just want to be around people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We're talking to Jody Goldie, and we're talking about uh, tra- traumatic events, and they are events. And it would be a time in your life where you experienced something that was life-threatening or you perceived it to be life-threatening or it was abusive or it was incredibly frightening or maybe it was just a very dangerous moment and it can cause trauma. And maybe you've even witnessed a very traumatic event and that's going to have an impact on your uh, psych, your head, your mind, and maybe even your emotional functioning. So uh, if you have had um, a traumatic experience or maybe you've even witnessed one and have a question for Jody, you can send it over on the text line 877-933-2484. So there's a comment that just came in, a laundry list of trauma, did lots of counseling, and somatic healing. When I met Jesus, his love healed me so deeply. Acceptance. Now the scriptures feed love and good ways. Sorry words are hard. Beautiful. I love it. That's that's beautiful. So when you engage in therapy and you're doing face-to-face and you're doing some uh, cognitive therapy, uh, is that the primary mode of therapy you do, Jody? Um. No. (laughs) Um, So with trauma, kind of your traditional, so uh, traditional maybe talk therapy or like cognitive behavioral therapy actually doesn't work quite well because um, sometimes um, if if you've experienced a lot of trauma, parts of the brain where the cognitive behavioral therapy would be like work really well is in your top brain. And sometimes if you've experienced a lot of trauma, your top brain doesn't, it doesn't work as well, or it's not as connected is what we say. So you, you're kind of working with some of the, the like limbic structures, which are the emotional parts of the brain or, or like lower parts of the brain. So, um, 
I, I practice something called, um, it's called AIR Network, A-I-R. It's um, Adaptive Internal Relationships ne- Network, and it's based on um, neuro, relational neurobiology. It's based on um, building a kind of a relationship with those parts of you, those insides that like are, are really harmful. It's based on um, really understanding development and doing a lot of education around those things, kind of like we're talking about now. Um, so I, I do that mainly because it gives people a lot of, it's competency based. So it gives people a lot of autonomy to decide what's going on for themselves. Cause a lot of times what trauma does is take away somebody's will and, and helping somebody. And I don't mean like will as in like prideful will, I mean like the will that God lets us choose. And sometimes that will has been taken away. And so people don't know even what they think, what they feel, what their preferences are. And so helping that build is a, a big thing. So I do that. And then I also do EMDR, which is a um, yeah. Yeah, reprocessing okay. therapy. Uh-huh. Now, the, one of the last people that texted in talked about somatic healing. Mm-hmm. And I had to quickly kind of look that up. And is that a body-centered kind of therapy where you're trying to heal some of the trauma that's been stored in the body. Yep, exactly. Okay, yep. all right. All and right. it's 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 very effective. And and when somebody there, there's so many different ways to to address things. So it's always good to notice what what kind of jumps out at you and what what feels best to your you know your your healing. Mm-hmm. When you have had an experience of medical trauma where you felt like you were on a gurney and thinking, "Ooh, this could be it," and you survived, or you were given a a very serious uh, diagnosis that you thought this might take me out and it doesn't because you obviously God healed you and God restored you. And this is this beautiful moment where you think God gave me another chance, yet you still have to live and process and deal with the fear that something might return. I mean, I have many friends and people that are facing the the PET scans. They're going to see if the cancer's back. And um, there, there is a little bit of triggers there and there's you know, that's, sometimes it's hard to say my next pet scan could say it's all back. Yeah, exactly. And that when when you notice your body responses, your stress responses going out of whack, you know, when when you have a trigger like that, that's a that's a good sign that that's traumatic and that your body is reading that as trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you are involved in some kind of emotional or psychological abuse. And I want to go back to that because it seems that if I were to roll the the ball down the alley, I probably will knock over a lot of pins if we talk about emotional or psychological abuse because there is so much of it I've heard hosting the show where people will say, this happened to me and I don't know how to forgive them. And the experience uh, is so real and vivid in my head that I can't even process it very well. Yeah. I think there's, you know, (laughs) doing this work long enough, it kind of, it kind of reminds you that maybe us as humans, we, we kind of have some pretty major fallenness going on. Um, it's, it's a painful world. It's a very painful world. And I, I, I am heartened that there is a judgment and that sounds horrible, but I see things all the time that I, that I'm very heartened that, okay, in the end, somebody's going to know that this was wrong. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps me when I think about, um, just think about 
events in my own life to step out of the judgment seat and hand that over to God so that I don't have to kind of carry that because it is heavy. It is heavy to carry. Yeah. Take a little break. More with Jody Goldie. We're talking about trauma. If you've had an experience of trauma or if you, you witnessed it and you'd be willing to share what that was, Maybe you have a question for Jody. You can text it over 877-933-2484. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. I'm back with Jody Goldie. This is Mental Health Week. We're talking about uh, trauma today. And Jody, what about bullying in schools? It seems that there's more people getting bullied today more than ever. And is that, would that be considered traumatic. Yes. Um, yes. I hear about this all the time from adults actually, um, that are, that are still carrying some of the scars from what, what happened. Um, because a lot of times, again, when you think about trauma is a failure of relationship. So a lot of times folks that are getting bullied, kids that are getting bullied, they're not, they don't have a witness. They don't have somebody to bear witness and say, yes, that is happening. You're valid. And so, um, so I would just, if, you know, any parents are listening and their kids are kind of complaining of that to, to really validate it and, and, be curious about it and and be open to the experience because it it can it's so painful and it, and no kid should have to carry that alone. Mm-hmm. Jody, when does trauma become PTSD? It seems mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who work as first responders who experience chronic trauma, yeah, and or they have a a past history of it. Yeah. When does trauma all of a sudden move into the category of PTSD? Um. There are different signals that it's moving into PTSD. So if um, if you're having you know intrusive like uh, like body experiences or sensory experiences, intrusive thoughts, intrusive um, emotions, and intrusive dreams, things like that. If you're starting to avoid things that kind of bring up the trauma, um, if you if you're having really if you're blaming yourself or having really hard thoughts on yourself too. Um, all around the trauma, At, usually after about three months, um, if that's still going, they usually say that that's when um, that's when you should like really consider getting help. I would really advocate for somebody getting help um, ahead of time. I have um, a first responder who kind of reaches out to me whenever they have a hard a hard call that they go on, just because I'm like, yep. Come on in. Let's let's get it. Because if you can process it before it goes into your stored memory, if you can process it differently and, and have that experience held, then a lot of times it doesn't become trauma. And that's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. So yesterday I talked a little bit about self-regulation where it's a little bit up to us to self-regulate it. So if I'm if I'm in a bad mood, I can think of some things from my past or a conversation I have with my friend where we were laughing so hard on the phone that we were choking. Um, and I go back to that conversation and all of a sudden I went from being in maybe a not so good mood into a pretty good mood. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, when you have experienced trauma and it's you know taken register in your body, uh, self regulation helps or doesn't help? Good question. Um, yes, I think it always helps. I think okay. those self regulation um, skills can be a little harder because when you you are triggered. Oftentimes your top brain isn't online and that's where your regulation happens. And so um, sometimes you're going to need to regulate from the bottom up, meaning the body up. So you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to, you know, like do a weighted blanket, do warmth, do care for your, for your body, or you're going to have to notice internally and notice that you're going to need to give yourself a little more warmth and grace instead of constantly beating yourself up. So sometimes regulation, like, you know, a lot of people can think of uh, feelings of awe or love, and that just changes their whole mood, like what you're describing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people need something outside to to change them. So like if I come home and I'm really numb from a day, I need to go for a walk in the cold and I need to like breathe really big. I did this last night with my boys, breathe really big in order to get my brain back online so that I can self-regulate. Interesting. So your brain goes offline and you can bring it back on. I like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about Emmanuel prayer? It's a question from a listener. Oh, I love, you know, um, I have a colleague who I dearly love. Her name is Misha Gudapati and she- Great name. Yeah, I know. She's wonderful. Um, she's um, a therapist in Bloomington, but she she has talked to me a lot about that. I've never gotten into it, but I highly respect her. So okay, yeah. Then the other question that came in: Have you heard of Body Code and Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson? Is it good for Christians to use this method of healing? I don't know what that is. Maybe you do. Um, I don't think I can speak to that. Okay, that's fair. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. Yeah. So um, again, I just want to kind of spend our last couple of minutes talking about how we we can always go to scripture to be fed and to seek that peace that God alone gives. I, I love John 14, 27. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I don't give it as the world gives. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So when we go to God's word and we look to uh, the Holy Spirit to to heal us, to give us strength, to give us courage, to give us hope, that is always uh, the best place to go and to be is right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that you know the the God has both uh, as as. You know, God is not a he or a she. There, you know, he's spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And he yep. has when in the scripture it talks about there's there's um, there's parts of God that seem very masculine and parts of God that seem very feminine. Whatever that means, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. But I I think what's nice about that is that where there's lack, you can find it in Him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can gather up his chicks under his arm. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. He, he can, he can, you can lean against his, his heart and hear his heartbeat, um, just like John did. And so there's different parts that maybe resonate with your body more that you might need in scripture. But I would look for those areas of warmth that really speak to what, what you're missing and what you, mm-hmm. what you needed. Mm-hmm. So if I've had a traumatic experience and I've not ever gone and seen a trauma therapist like you, 
let me throw out some things. Is it time for me to go see a trauma therapist if I have repeated flashbacks? Mm-hmm. If I've had frequent nightmares or or I've had isolation or symptoms that that the trauma is really impacting my everyday life. Hmm. I I would I would say there's there's no danger in it. I would okay. I, but I would also you know, I would also kind of trust your trust your gut and I know for me I try not to like I know most people are very scared to come in because they're like, "Oh gosh, I do not want to relive that event." And I always say, "Hey, first off, we're not going to, we don't have to relive that event. And it's actually not good for your brain to like tell me the story. Mm-hmm. Let's just take care of your body and let's talk about different ways that we can go about this so that you don't have to go into those yucky places because you didn't want to go through it the first time. Why would you want to go through it again? <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah. finding, finding a person that can hold, it, hold all of that in, in ways that is, is very careful. And you know informed. that's probably surprising people, Jody, to say I, yeah. I want to need I need to go talk about my traumatic experience, but I go into your office and we're not going to talk about it. I know. Well, talking about it actually drives it deeper into your brain, hmm. um, and so that you you can't kind of like take care of it in an easier way. So um, we want to talk about it, but we want to be in a place that's not in a, um, traumatized brain state, like a a scared brain state, but a place where we can bear witness to what happened and help any parts of us or, you know, um, that, that might still feel like they're back there. So we, Mm. we want to, we want to look at it from a very different perspective. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, Jody, what was the, the, the name of your friend that does a manual prayer? I just <laughs> she's going to be like, name. why am I getting all these calls? Oh, I know she's going to get calls. But... Her, her name is Amisha Gudapati, and she's Amisha in Bloomington. Gudapati. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Was, all right. Jody, always a delight. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. It's been great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Jody Goldie has been my guest, and if you want to learn more about Jody... You can go to mwtraumacenter.com and you can find out more about Jody there. Let me double check that. mwtraumacenter.com. That's it. That, that's our show for today. Thank you so much. It was always great to have Dr. Mark Muska on the show. And Jody Goldie was a student of Mark's. And it was really great to talk to Jody about trauma and how we can get healed from it. And God wants us to be healed. So I hope you have a great rest of the night. I look forward to spending time with you tomorrow. See you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.